Welcome to the Global Investor Podcast, a show that focuses on helping foreign investors enter the lucrative U.S. real estate market. Host Charles Carrillo combines decades of real estate investing experience with a professional background in international banking to interview experts in all areas of U.S. real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Charles Carrillo. Welcome to another episode of the Global Investors Podcast. I'm your host, Charles Carrillo. Today, we have Brad Hubbard. His company, National Flood Experts, was created from 20 years experience in civil engineering. And as a licensed insurance agent, Brad specializes in reclassifying high-risk flood zone properties into low-risk properties, which has saved his clients over $10 million in annual flood insurance premium. So thank you so much for being on the show, Brad. Thanks, Charles. Glad to be here. So what was your, uh, what was your background prior to starting National Flood Experts? Yeah, so uh, my degree is in civil engineering, and I worked in civil engineering for about 12 years doing site design, civil site, and uh, roadway until uh, I sort of grew to hate it. Um, after about 10 years of it, I just didn't really enjoy the engineering world anymore uh, and ended up working for my wife's cousin who had an insurance brokerage. And okay. he basically, he's like, Brad, you're good with numbers, you're good with people. Why don't you try insurance? So I uh, went over there and sold insurance for him for a couple of years. And uh, after a little bit of time, I realized that uh, most insurance agents don't really like flood insurance. Um, so I ended up doing a lot of the flood insurance for his company and started to put my engineering hat back on. I looked at these properties and, you know, you got the lender saying they need to have flood insurance on this property. And I'm looking at it going, why? And uh, so I started making some calls to FEMA asking around and their answer was, well, if you know a professional engineer, they can do this and this and this. And I was like, well, I'm a professional engineer. And, uh, you know, for the first few clients, it's like, hey, three days later, I had them out of a flood zone. They're no longer required to carry flood insurance. And uh, that sort of started the, the ball rolling on this entire thing. And that was about eight years ago. Okay. So can you tell us exactly what you guys do? So um, I, we'll go through like the process a little later on, but what yeah. is a typical, what is a typical uh, uh, service and um, process for you kind of involved, I guess you would say? Sure. You know, what, what we do, the way I kind of describe it is it's, it's flood insurance consulting from an engineering perspective. So we try to first see if any property that we're looking at should be required to carry flood insurance. Are the maps correct in this area? Uh, if it is correct, uh, then what we'll try to do is, okay, so it is correct. These, they should be required to carry flood insurance. Are they paying the right rate? Are there things that they can do to maybe bring those rates down a little bit? Was it rated incorrectly? Is there, you know, are there any other options here? So it's flood insurance consulting from, you know, really an engineering perspective. So how do you determine the true risk of flooding on an investor's property? Sure, we, you know, we use a lot of FEMA's data. You know, FEMA has spent hundreds of millions of dollars uh, mapping the entire country for prospective floods. And you know the private world has really got into there uh, much more in the last 10 years as well. So there's a lot of good data out there. So what we try to do is really take a look at the building from a flood risk standpoint. How is it elevated? How is it constructed? What other things are here that may or may not impact the flood? So we'll, from anything from sending one of our surveyors out to do what we call our flood expert survey, uh, to just looking at any information, you know, some existing information, if they've got elevation surveys, topographic surveys, and we try to really understand what's going to happen here, 
uh, as it relates to flooding uh, and ultimately flood insurance costs for the clients. Okay. So what do you, uh, how do you prepare properties for future flood events if someone already owns a property? Sure. You know, there are things you can do. You know, what we really focus on here is more the financial uh, aspect of it. it. You know, try to trying to save these investors uh, as much money as possible on a year to year basis, increase that NOI because flood insurance, depending on where you are, can be a huge hit uh, to, you know, to the actual income you're making on a property. But if you've got a building and you are concerned with it flooding uh, on the commercial side, they've got what they've called, it's called dry flood proofing. And basically, you know, for lack of a better way, it's, it's like hurricane shutters for flood. So you, you know, they've got flood proof doors and panels that you can add to any kind of an opening you have on the building, whether it's a door or storefront glass, things like that, uh, that will impede water from coming into the property. Um, and they also, you know, give you benefits on your flood insurance premiums for having that. But those are really the, the main options when you've got a building, it's there, it's been there for 60 years, unless you want to knock it down. Uh, those are the best options out there right now for, for trying to prevent getting water and, you know, damaging those buildings that you own. I imagine you consult with new developers. How do you design or how do you consult uh, with developers on designing future projects that lower the risk of flood events? Sure. It, what we do in that, you know, kind of a scenario is our number one goal is build it in a way that will make flood insurance either A, not required, or B, be as cheap as possible for the long term. Uh, one mistake that we see a lot with developers is, you know, you're, you're coming in, you want to build a building, you want to build it, you want to get your permits to code as cheap as possible, right? You're trying to, and you know, you'll see them try to cut corners on fill dirt and things like that, where maybe they'll save 20, 30, $50,000 uh, on the construction cost, but it'll cost them long term. So what we really try to do is build for the long-term flood impacts. What, what are 10 years of flood insurance going to look like on this building? Well, what if you raise the average elevation around the outside of the building? What if you brought the building up an extra six inches higher than code is saying, but you know what, that's going to knock your flood insurance costs down by 40%. So we really try to look at it as not as much of a, how much is it going to cost to construct it? What, what are your 10 years costs going to be of operating it? And how can we get that number down as far as possible? One thing I want to circle back to is you were talking about the FEMA maps. And I know when we initially had met uh, a couple of years ago, and uh, you were saying that a lot of this information is outdated. And then you were also saying another thing. Well, well yeah, is that, I mean, how do you work with outdated map, maps then and information? Well, I mean, you know, like you said, the, the maps are outdated. Even a brand new map that is coming, you know, like there you are, you're in Pinellas County. You guys are getting new flood maps here this year, most likely. Uh, in talking with, you know, floodplain managers and stuff, that data is already eight years old. You know, the data that they're putting out right now, mm -hmm. just because that process takes so long to go through. So you've got, you know, survey data from 2012, 2013 that they're using to create these new maps and, you know, just the process of everything. It's 2021 and you've almost got 10 year old data in there. Um, and that's for a brand new map. If you're looking in some of the areas where you've got a map from 1998, you know, 1982, I mean, there, there are some significantly old maps out there. And especially here in Florida, the amount of construction and development that's happened, uh, it's not the same scenario. You know, nothing looks like it did even 10 years ago, much less 20 or so. Yeah. So the maps 
in the maps when they're done, they're done on a very macro basis, right? They're trying to figure out how the water is going to impact this entire area. Mm-hmm. And what we do is look really, really specifically property by property and even structure by structure. How's it going to impact this building right here on this property? Um, so that's where we find the errors and the mapping is just, it's, they do a great job. They really do. It's just, it's such a massive task. It's impossible to be accurate on a, you know, building by building basis. Yeah, I would imagine. So I, I just, I imagine a lot of that stuff has been updated, uh, when you're in different counties and it kind of leads you to having to put together the puzzle of what you can do and how you can help your client. Um, yeah, and, you know, Pinellas County has a lot of money. If you think about a lot of the counties, smaller counties, smaller municipalities that don't have the money to put into flood studies, right. you're just operating with bad data to begin with. Yeah. So I, I've been down in Florida for nearly 10 years and flood insurance was not something that we really uh, utilized when investing in real estate up north. And can you explain flood insurance um, in just an overview of how it works and you know, it's, it's different. How it differs from property insurance and um, what property, just give a little overview to listeners that might not be aware and have flood insurance in their area. Yeah. So basically flood insurance is just like every other insurance. It's there to insure you in the event of a flood. Uh, it is not included on most property insurance policies. So if you've got a commercial building in, uh, you know, mid-state New York, you're probably not going to have flood insurance on it. You're not going to be covered for flood insurance. Where flood insurance comes into play is any time that you uh, you have a loan, especially a federally backed loan, which is pretty much everything out there right now, that lender is going to require that you carry flood insurance on top of all the other insurances you're carrying. Obviously, you've got your hurricane, your fire, all that kind of stuff. They also require flood. The difference with flood is 90 plus percent of all the flood policies out there are written through FEMA, you know, a federal backed program. So you've got government insurance, uh, which leads to all sorts of problems. But so if you have any kind of a property that you have federal, federally backed loan on, they're going to require that you carry flood insurance on it. That's the real basics of it. And the, the standards are getting more and more strict uh, that we've seen with Fannie and Freddie recently that they're requiring not just the base policy of the 250 or 500,000, but they want full replacement cost for your $20 million building, even if it's a high rise, they still want full replacement costs. They want business income loss, uh, all of that on top of your typical flood insurance policy. So it can get to be very expensive. Now, is it, so if you're dealing with uh, FEMA insurance and I go to one, I'm getting property insurance through someone and uh, they give me a quote for flood insurance. Is it going to be the same at the next place I go to if it's through FEMA or is it going to, or it can differ? It can differ. So the theory is every agent can write it the exact same and give you the exact same policy. The, where the problem comes in with that is the, the actual underwriting of flood policies. It's very difficult. You know, it's not a, it's not a fire policy where they say, yep, your address is here. You're a masonry building. Here's your price. With flood, there are 30 different variables from elevation certificates, from how the building is built from using things like grandfathering, you can get you can go to five agents and get five different quotes. Uh, even though that's not the the way the system is designed, it's supposed to be designed in a way that everybody gets the same quote. Uh, different people's level of expertise in flood will give you different numbers each time. And one last thing on FEMA on the pricing yeah. is it you know for Florida, I've heard I've read that Florida's paid in a lot more 
into FEMA insurance than other states in that, like in, I think, I guess you'd say throughout the Southeast is how does that change? Is that going to change at any time in the future where they might dial back Florida flood policies or make it less expensive or we're just still yeah. paying into it? You, like you said, you, you know, I call us a donor state, you know, we've, <laughs> Uh, 35 or 37 percent of every single policy in the country is in the state of Florida. Oh, um, okay. But you know we've really haven't had the major losses that other areas have had. The Northeast with Sandy and Katrina over in Louisiana, uh, and even just your annual riverine flooding along the Mississippi and other you know rivers throughout the country. Um, Florida doesn't have a lot of that, so we've you know we've put in, I, I don't remember the numbers, it's been a couple of years since I've looked at it, but basically, you know, if we put in 10 billion, we've only had 3 billion in claims where a lot of the other states are flipped of that. You know, they've had 3 billion put in and they've got 10 billion in claims. So yeah, we're a donor state uh, and that's not changing. You know, all the new maps that I've seen, everything is getting worse, not better uh, across the country. And that's not just Florida, it's just climate change and with development and all that different stuff, they just, foresee the long-term impact of flood as being worse in five years than it is now. So unfortunately it's only getting worse. Uh, you know, we're a big peninsula sticking out in the water. So yeah. even though we haven't had the claims, the possibility is there. Yeah. I've seen even um, at all parts of climate change, I guess have been affecting and it's, I mean, in our insurances on investment properties all across the United States, I mean, they've yeah. been consistently going up 10%. I mean, we under right now, 10, 15% annual increases in insurance, which is crazy. Never would have done it before. Usually it was three or 4% 10 years ago. Right. And now I think that the insurance companies are actually buying the data uh, from these companies that uh, have this information saying that, uh, you know, this is, it's going to be a long-term thing coming. You know what I mean? Where uh, it's just going to be more and more expensive to insure property. But, yeah, that's, that's been the trend. I've noticed the same thing. Uh, and, and flood is, is probably worse. It's, yeah. it's no better. That's for sure. So Brad, when should an investor reach out to you and your company? Honestly, anytime, you know, if we, I know that's a, that's a, a crap answer, but uh, you know, if you're, if you're looking at acquiring a property that has some flood impact, let us take a look at it. You know, we can really help you make a decision that for go, no go on whether or not this makes sense. You know, we could look at it and say flood insurance is going to triple over the next five years, run away from this, or it's the flip, you know, hey, they're paying 100,000 on flood insurance in the property. You could pay nothing. You've just gained 100,000 in equity, you know, or in your NOI right off the bat. Um, if they own a property right now and, you know, flood insurance is part of it, let's take a look at it. Let's see if there's anything that we can do to, you know, increase the value of that property. If you're going into refinancing, you know, same thing, you know, if you can increase your NOI, that's more cash you can get out from the bank when you're doing it. Um, there's, there's not a bad time to reach out to us in that whole life cycle of owning a property in a flood zone. So what would be the process if someone says owns a property already, uh, whatever it might be, um, apartment complex, large or small, and they reach out to you, what, how does the process work after they make contact? Sure. So what we'll do is we'll get as much data from them as they have. So We'll take the flood declaration pages that they have, uh, any elevation certificates that they have, and we'll start our internal review process, which is you know like 13 different points that we look at to see what we can do for the property. Uh, if it's something where we can get the map changed, we can take it from a high risk to a low risk property. 
we'll go under contract with them, which will basically be, and it, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to get it moved from an A to an X. Um, and then when we're successful, we build a client. So we review everything for free. Um, our contracts are only based on the savings that we provide and it's all hundred percent guaranteed. So in some scenarios there where they'll give us all that data, we'll need to send one of our surveyors out and do our flood expert study on the site um, just to confirm some data, get some better data if they don't have it. Uh, but that's really the, the process is we take a look at everything they have, give them a proposed solution, go under contract and get it done. Nice. Can you give us, uh, I know you told me before about saving so much money on a complex in Texas, but can you give us a couple examples of uh, some big wins that you've had for your clients? Yeah, absolutely. Um, biggest one we had was recently up in Virginia. Um, it, it was a company that owned four different apartment complexes in a, in a couple of different towns there. Uh, we ended up saving them $185,000 a year in flood insurance uh, across those three or four different properties. Um, around here recently, we've had some condos that we've been able to uh, get the flood insurance dropped. We obviously, you know, you've got condos in the water, you're not going to get rid of flood insurance, yeah. but we've gotten them up to like five years of a refund, $400,000 refund to the association. Wow. Obviously they were through the moon for that. Um, apartment complexes is where we have our most success, mm -hmm. where I can throw some really big crazy numbers at you where we've had that $30,000 here, $80,000 here uh, of savings on flood insurance by getting it removed. And say, for instance, that person uh, then sold it or that group sells it after working with you, that is, I don't want to say grandfathered or transferred, but that can now be brought to their insurer and show them, hey, this is all, this is what we were doing before. And it, you know, it's not just for that owner. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Anything that we do is it's for the property. It, it's not yeah. tied to the ownership in any way. Nice. So when the property is sold, it transfers to the new owners and, you know, anything that the previous one was doing, the next one can do it too. So what are the biggest mistakes or common mistakes that investors make in regards to insurance in general or flood insurance? You know, I really can't speak to insurance in general, but with, yeah. with flood, I, I'd say the biggest mistake that is made is you know kind of back to your comment earlier that any insurance agent can give you the same price on flood insurance you know so people you know the, the biggest mistake is doing nothing just taking you know okay i'm in a flood zone i have to pay flood here's my bill pay it right question that a little bit send it to us let us take a look maybe you shouldn't have to pay flood maybe the building is wrong on the elevation certificate. Maybe the flood zone when the building was constructed in 1979 was different and you can grandfather back to that. Doing nothing and just paying your bill is the biggest mistake um, because about 60% of the time, there's something we can do. I mean, you're talking well over half of the time we can do something to have a, a cost savings that, you know, you do nothing and you just, you, you don't get even have the potential to get those savings. So that's honestly, that's the biggest mistake is just doing nothing. Interesting. Okay. Well, how can our listeners learn more about you and your company, Brad? Uh, easy is, you know, we've got our website, nationalfloodexperts.com. There's some good information out there. Uh, we're on social media, uh, Instagram and Facebook, though I'm terrible at those, but uh, we've got people who work on them and, or just give us a call. Um, you know, phone numbers on our website, it'll probably be on here too, but um, 
you know, we'd love to talk to you and see how we can help. That's really what we just try to do is how can we help our clients? Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'll put all those links into the show notes and uh, looking forward to connecting with you in the near future. Thanks, Charles. Appreciate it. Hi, guys. It's Charles from the Global Investors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you're interested in getting involved with real estate, but you don't know where to begin, set up a free 30-minute strategy call with me at ScheduleCharles.com. That's ScheduleCharles.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Global Investor Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new weekly episodes. For more resources and to receive our newsletter, please visit globalinvestorpodcast.com. And don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Nothing in this episode should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Any investment opportunities mentioned on this podcast are limited to accredited investors. Any investments will only be made with proper disclosure, subscription documentation, and are subject to all applicable laws. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have the potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of Syndication Superstars Incorporated exclusively.